You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, how would you pray tonight? Well, I'm really not too sure, and, actually. And what would you say to the people you love most in the whole world? Well, I tell them I'd love them for sure, but oh, what else? Certainly. What else? Let's find out today yeah. in John 17 on More, More Than, than Ink. Well, welcome to our dining room table again. This is Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're, again, we're just delighted that you're with us. We have come to what I consider like the crown jewel mm. of the New Testament. It's probably debatable from a lot of people, <laughs> but it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, John 17. So John 17, we're going to look at uh, this really famous prayer that Jesus prays, not just for the apostles, but for us by extension, it turns out. Actually, explicitly. Oh, specifically. Yeah, yeah, by extension. So, <laughs> And, you know, when you think about the prayers of Jesus, uh, you know, I think back, gee, what, what are the other times in the New Testament that I've heard that we get to overhear Jesus praying? You know, I remember he stands outside the tomb of Lazarus and he mm -hmm. prays. That's pretty mm -hmm. interesting. And, he, in fact, he says, I'm praying out loud like this for the benefit of the people hearing me. Um, I, we, we know about his prayer in the garden, Garden well, of Gethsemane. And, and there are a couple of other times when we get little little tiny snippets of prayer, but we have a couple of times when he yeah. was teaching on prayer. Teaching when on prayer, When the disciples right. asked him to teach right. us to pray. Right. And he says, well, when you pray, pray this way. Don't just heap yeah, up that's meaningless right. phrases. Pray like yeah. this. And that's where the Lord's Prayer comes from and stuff like that. It's interesting that I see in some of my studies, I, it has just dawned on me that he himself is actually praying along the pattern that he laid out for us to pray yeah and yeah. so uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that as the conversation opens yeah yeah i hope so well so we are in john 17 you get your bibles open and you can follow with us and uh this is an extraordinary view into not only who jesus is but his relationship with us but really who jesus is and he's praying out loud so we can understand more fully. So this is, uh, by the way, just to remind you the narrative, this is just before he gets arrested. I mean, like just breaths before Very he gets surely. arrested. So so this is the the last really substantive, deeply substantive thing the apostles were here until resurrection. So, Well, and we probably need to remember, too, that it doesn't happen in isolation, that this is yeah. the culmination of an entire evening right, of right. very carefully planned conversation on mm -hmm. his part he had mm -hmm. done some things very specifically they had celebrated the passover he had washed their feet and then he had talked with them very specifically about lots of things the holy yeah. spirit coming right. about them serving one another loving one another about this new relationship that they were going to enter with the father right. um you know so this doesn't happen by itself and so no. when we come to approach this passage we really need to have that in mind and that's why we asked you last week to read the previous chapters over again so that that would be fresh in your mind because all of those so context things it's important yeah. that he had talked with them about come together in this prayer yeah exactly so and as you recall he uh, sort of freaked him out by saying i'm going away I'm coming back for a while. <laughs> he said it several times. It says several times, and uh, and it really completely redefined the relationship 
with mm-hmm. God, and then and this is really puts a cap on that on that discussion. So, do you want to start in on? Verse 1 of chapter 17. Sure. But uh, we probably need to say, you know, verse 17 begins when Jesus had spoken these words. Well, what words? Mm-hmm. Well, immediately mm-hmm. prior to this is when he had said, you know, I've spoken these things to you that you may have peace in the world. You'll have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Right. And this right. relationship with the world is going to figure prominently in this prayer. So exactly. John says, so when he had spoken these words, He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. It's interesting to me that John doesn't say so. We all stood around in a circle and prayed. Or he doesn't doesn't set this apart from the conversation in any way. He just moves without a breath Mm -hmm. into prayer. Yeah. Um, Yep. Okay. You want me to read on? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you go Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Wow. Stop there. We got to stop there. So I notice a repeated word in here. Yeah, you think? (laughs) We need to go back and remind ourselves what it means. It's the G word. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. And so what is what is that all about? What is glorifying all about? And and you know, the simplistic way we also always said it before is to take take something like in this case the nature of who God is and you just make it large. I, I call it billboarding. It's taking something and just making it large, broadcasting it as big as you can fit, just glorify. It's just big and it's there and it's not hidden and it's just right out in open view. And recognize it for what it really is. Yeah. For who it yeah. really is. So when yeah. he says glorify me, so let 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 it be fully recognized who you are yeah. and who I am. Yeah, so it, do, it does beg the question. So what is it that's going to, that we are going to know in a public, public, public mm. way because of what's going to happen pretty soon here with the crucifixion? And Jesus is saying this is going to be made known publicly, a mm-hmm. big public, hello, glorify. So what exactly is it about the nature of God and the nature of Jesus that's, that's going to be glorified in mm. this whole action of the crucifixion? And that begs, that's the big question. Yeah. That's the big question. Yeah, because the glory of who God is, the greatest demonstration of that glory is going to be at the cross mm-hmm. and then in the mm-hmm. resurrection, right? That, that this God, the God who is, is the one who sacrifices himself yes. for those he loves. That is the glory that Jesus has in mind here. Yeah. And it, that just renders me speechless. <laughs> Well, it's consistent. You know, <laughs> later in John's little letters, he'll say that God is love. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is essential nature. And uh, what's the best What's the best way to understand the, the dimensions of God's love? Mm-hmm. Well, look at the sacrifice mm-hmm. of his son, because God so loved the world that he gave his son. So, yeah, definitely right here in the sacrifice of Jesus, you're going to see the, the character of God, God is love, writ mm-hmm. large and lifted up for everyone to, I mean, literally lifted up like a billboard for everyone to see unmistakably so and that's how god's going to be glorified through glorifying the son and that's actually how john had opened his account of this whole evening if you remember back in chapter 13 john had said now before the feast of the passover jesus knowing that his hour had come well that's how this part begins the hour Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. the hour right that means it's imminent Mm -hmm. knowing that the hour had come that he should depart out of this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them 
to the uttermost. Right. So that's how John sets up the whole evening. And so that's very clear that that idea is still in his mind. This is imminent. These are are last words. Yeah, and you remember back uh, in chapter 2 of the turning the water into wine, (laughs) Uh, you know, he he said even in passing right there, my hour hasn't come yet. It's like I can't can't out exactly who I am, but boom, here we are. That hour has come. Now we're not holding back glorifying who God is, who Jesus is, what the whole purpose of this is all about. What do you make of that line in verse 2 about, uh, eternal life. We have messed up ideas about what etern- eternal life is, and Jesus defines it for us. Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Jesus, mm-hmm. me, the anointed, appointed one, sent by right, you, your right. only authorized representative. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to know who God is? Look at me. Well, that's yeah. just consistent with everything he had said all along, yeah. right? I am the way. I am the mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. I'm the life. Yeah. I am, period. Boom. Yeah. Right? Back in John 8. Yeah. And I, I always think it's fascinating that people have these weird concepts of what eternal life is. Mm-hmm. You know, is it mm-hmm. like heaven with golden streets and, you know, infinite right. food? I mean, what what is eternal life? And Jesus is stating really quite equivocally here, if you want to know what eternal life is, it's knowing God himself. And, uh, and Jesus' purpose in coming is to make known who God is. The entire package of why Jesus came was to give glory, to make known in a big way who God is, mm-hmm. because in that relationship we find life, and it's not anything else. In that relationship we find life. Okay, and he had talked back in chapter 5 about um, about the authority that he has to give life yeah, and those who right, believe right. in his name as the Son of God pass out of judgment into life Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you know this entrance into eternal life isn't just something that starts after we die and goes on forever no 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 enter it now as he said in john 10 abundantly well you enter it as soon as you enter into relationship right if it is a relationship with god then it starts now and so it is unlimited life that extends in every direction it is not bounded by time yeah Exactly. So it makes me think a lot of people on their deathbed ask themselves, was this all there was to it? Mm. Was there more than this? What was the purpose of life and all that kind of stuff? And and really wonder if they've missed the big reason for things to be. Where was life in all of mm. this? And uh, and I think what what kind of nags the back of our mind is we know that as we look back on our lives, relationships seem to have the most life to them. It wasn't money. It wasn't cars. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it's relationships. And, and that's a big that's a big pointer to the fact, you know what, you will find life in relationship with God. He made us to know that, to know that relationship has tremendous value. So if you're looking for eternal life and you're looking for things that are just going to please you, you may not find what you're looking for. What you need to do if you want to find life is find relationship and relationship with God. That's what you were made for. Mm. And that's what Jesus is saying he was all about. And that's what Jesus came for. That's what he came that's for. That's what he came to do, right, to right. make the Father known. Right? John begins his gospel uh-huh. when he right. says, in him was life. Right. And the life was the light of men. And a little later on in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh became and flesh. dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. And he made God fully known in the flesh. Right. So what? how do you find life? You find it in relationship in with God. And Jesus is the one who makes that happen. Yeah, he's the one that makes it happen. And, the, and what he's going to do on the cross pays for the impediment that we emplace on ourselves because of our sin. So, uh, but yeah, you want to find life? Find it in relationship with him. Well, and he says, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Well, 
you know, we like to think of his work as going to the cross, which of course it was, but but, but he's speaking pro- past tense here. <laughs> up to that, yeah. what had he already accomplished? He had made the Father fully known through his everything he ever said right. was at the direction right. of the Father. Everything he ever did was at the direction of the Father. Every miracle, every work, every relationship uh, expressed the reality of the Father. So he says, I, I've, I've made you as fully known as it is humanly possible yeah, yeah. to do. In fact, that's exactly, that's his summary statement when we get to verse 6 here. I mean, what, right. what was his mission right. accomplished? That right. was his mission accomplished. I manifested you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you make, before we get into that, though, very, at the very end of verse 5, he says, <laughs> you know, uh, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Isn't that a fascinating phrase? The glory I had with you before the world existed what boy that's a good question (laughs) we could noodle on this one for hours for hours well you know paul says in philippians 2 that he laid aside his glory in in some measure he didn't stop being who he always was and always had been Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. he laid aside uh, the the claiming of the rights and privileges associated with mm-hmm, that in mm-hmm. order to become flesh to serve us yeah. in our salvation. So yeah. he's saying, okay, Father, I've, I've done what you sent me to do. Bring me home. Yeah. So in a real sense, what he's going back to as he goes back to heaven is, is, a, is a glory, it's a broadcasting of who God is that was even somewhat cloaked when he came mm-hmm. on earth, and now he's going right. back to that. So it's, it's manifest big time. It's what the angels respond to in heaven when they look at God and they see his full glory. Jesus says, I'm going back to that. But yeah, he existed before the world existed. How about that? Well, that's how John so, had started the gospel. That's right. In the beginning that's was the word, right. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So make no mistake about who this guy is. <laughs> you know, did Jesus only exist once he was born to Mary and Joseph? No, he mm. he existed before yeah. the world was created. He didn't become the son when he was born. Right. Exactly. As a human. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go on to verse six because this is where he really does state his mission accomplished statement. Right. This is what I got done. Um, so he, he recounts, so I'll just read this for yeah. us in six. I have manifested your name to the people whom you've gave, who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to mm. me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Well, let's just stop right there for a second. So he's recounting what he did in his ministry. Right, right. Yeah. But it's what he says about the disciples here that's important. You know, they're listening. Yeah. Right? Right. And how do you feel when somebody you love is praying for you in a very intensely personal way? Mm-hmm. You feel loved, you feel validated, you feel lifted up. Uh, and, you know, they had heard Jesus pray lots of times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and heard him teach about praying. But they had probably never heard him pray like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that I, I, I like this part about the, the ones the ones you gave me out of the mm-hmm. world. Yours they were, and you gave and them they, to me. Yeah. Again, we come down to this thing. If Jesus is not God in some way, then this is blasphemous, right. what he's talking about here. But he is. I mean, we're looking at the Trinity in full view here when he says even that very same thing. And, uh, and, and then he goes further and emphasizes that unity of the Trinity in seven, you know, that that 
you know, now now they know that everything that you've mm-hmm. given me is from you. So, right. well, that's blasphemous if he isn't equal with God in that particular sense, even his words in verse 8. So, mm-hmm. so we see this really strong unity as part of the Trinity right here. Well, and it's interesting that, that here in verse 8, when he says the words that you gave me, we've talked about this before. That's that Greek word rhema, right. which means the, the concrete reality behind the spoken word. Yeah, right, the, exactly. the thing that the word is about. He said, yeah. they, I, I've given them that concrete reality that you gave to me. They received it. They came to know it. They recognized mm-hmm. it. They, they bit down on that and got it. Yeah. Is what he's saying there. Well, and they've, they've kept your word, he said in six, mm-hmm. that word we talked mm-hmm. about so many times about it's really a watchful treasuring mm-hmm. kind of thing you know they heard it but they just didn't go in one ear and out the other they actually caught it and kept it and treasured it and observed it and carefully carefully watched it well if you remember back in chapter six when jesus had turned to them and said who do you say i am peter mm-hmm. said well or he said i guess are you going away too because lots of people had right had left right. at that point and peter says lord where else shall we go yeah you have you've the got the words. words of eternal life right you've got the words and so that's where we are and because of that word he says at the end of that that verse eight they've come to believe that i came from you that came from you god i I've, i'm not from this place and they actually mm. get that mm-hmm. they get i've come from i've come from heaven itself and that carries with it the whole idea that the one who is sent carries the authority the message mm-hmm. the actual mm-hmm. concrete reality of the one who sent him yeah yeah that's exactly right so as the as the perfect emissary of the father mm-hmm. the and only authorized <laughs> right and more i mean in terms of identity you know that's that's so that's his that's his mission accomplished in six through eight that's what i got done mm-hmm. and and as a result of that they know who i am and they've embraced your word that's i mean that's astonishing he, he got it done so you want to push on into nine yeah he says I, i'm praying for them I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they're yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. They are. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Yeah, wow. Oh. So now he's praying for them explicitly. I mean, he said, I'm praying for these guys. Not praying for everybody. Right, but he's going to later. He will later. But right now, this is about them. Right, right. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. Uh, all the all those that are his that came from the Father, and uh, and the purpose he's praying is he's saying, look, I'm no longer going to be in the world, but mm-hmm. they are. They mm-hmm. are going to be in the world for a while. I'm coming to the Father. So here's what we need to ask for. Jesus says, will you keep them in the same way that I have kept mm-hmm. them? And again, that's that's our favorite word, Tereo. Again, it's that watchful, yeah. you know, carefully observing, carefully attend to, almost guarding in a sense. And Jesus has done that role, and now as he's leaving physically, he's saying, Father, will you do that role? But isn't it interesting here that he says, Holy Father, right? That's how he had taught them when they had Mm -hmm. said, teach us to Mm -hmm. pray. He said, now pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Right. right? As a human being, God is utterly other. Right, we are. right, and that's what holy means. It's not just Separated. sinless. It means right. different from different this place. Other, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaving them in this place, but I'm praying to you, Father, who are not of this mm-hmm. place. Yeah, because you're separated from this place. You're not touched by mm-hmm. the evil that's here. Uh, you're pure. You're you're 
different from that. So he's he's praying that uh, that the Father would keep them and uh, keep them in your name. In your name. And so, what does that mean? Keep them in your name. Mm, we could talk about this for the rest of the time. Yeah, that might be all the time we but, have. In well, fact, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but a person's name communicates their identity, right? Their fundamental character, uh, who they are. So he says, right. Father, keep them in your name. Um, you know, what is God's name? He's mm-hmm. the I am, right? right? The one who is, who's yeah. with you, who rules over everything, who created everything. Keep them, Lord, identified as yours. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like to do when I think about name, too, is we, for us, when we name children, we don't name them based on their characteristics. We name them based <laughs> on an aunt or an uncle or whatever, well, you know, Yeah. usually, you know. But but for them, a name was always was always drawn out of a character. Mm-hmm quality of them. In fact, some cultures, they didn't name their kids until their kids showed some right. kind of quality, and then you'd name them that. You know, that was more recently done in Native American cultures here, too. You know, runs like the wind. I'll name him runs like the wind. So, I mean, talking about someone's name, you're talking about the physical, uh, I mean, the, the visible kind of label of their reputation and their characteristics. So, uh, so in the name of is always a, a way of, I shorthand it to reputation. You know, what's the collective reputation of who God is? That's his name. That's his name. That's what he's known for. That's what people call him by. So if he actually is the basis of everything, then you call him I am because <laughs> he's the basis of everything. But to do it in his name, yeah, that means, you know, based on everything of who you are, God, this is what I'm doing. So, you know, it's interesting that he prays, Father, keep them in your name, the name you've given me. And right. just an hour before, he had told them to pray in his name. In his name, right. Uh, which is the name the Father had given him, which is the same name as the Father. Yeah, I that's mean, right. We're, again, we're just, we're, we just keep smacking Trinity our heads alert. up against the, this. I, the Trinity is not something we imagined or right. we figured out. It's simply who God has revealed himself to be. Yeah. And the fact that we can't figure it out right. just indicates right. that he, he, is, he is holy. He is other. Yep. Right? He just says, yep. this is who I am. Yeah, yeah. So if you... Okay, move, wait. You okay. Know what? Because the second half of that sentence is like... Where? Stops us in our tracks. Which verse? Uh, in, in verse eleven, keep them oh. in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Right. What? Right. This is the first time he uses this phrase, but it's going to show up from here on to the end of the prayer over and over and the over one, again. The one, the one stuff. One. Yeah. As we are one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I almost can't get past this. <laughs> Well, he, like you say, he's going to explain it a lot in a little bit here, so we can... He is, yeah. but this is where he opens this idea, one as we are one. That, right. is a, that is a level of intimacy and relationship with God that they had not yet really grasped. Yeah. And really couldn't until the Holy Spirit came to indwell. Well, yeah, and I think it was natural for them to say, well, if Jesus is the Messiah and you know, he's the Son of God, then of course there's a oneness between he and the Father because right. they're the same God in that particular sense. But then to include us in that picture? Mm, we're drawn <laughs> that, in. That's just an amazing thing that we're included in that picture, but only because of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And we are, we're in that same, wow, we're in that same fellowship in that mm. sense. I mean, that's an astonishing thing. That's really an astonishing thing. And he'll he'll talk more about that before he finishes here. 
Well, we're running a little short on time. You got any last comments like around verse 13 here before we, we'll just, fin- <laughs> we'll just finish on that and pick it up next week? Well, as he's praying for them, he says now, he just reemphasizes, now I'm coming to you. I'm coming. I'm coming to you, but these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Right. He had talked about joy mm-hmm. throughout the evening, mm-hmm. right? I want my joy to be in you. Uh, what gave him tremendous fundamental joy well hebrews says for the joy set before him he endured the cross cross. right so the cross is clearly in view here Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. they they need to get a grip on the fact that this joy goes before comes behind and transcends human Mm -hmm. experience Mm -hmm. it's bigger and more concrete, I keep using that word, uh, than your emotional experience. Well, yeah, and I like how he's, he doesn't just say that these that, that they may have joy, but no. that this joy might be fulfilled. fulfilled. And that's that's a very applicable word. It means it's really going to gain some traction in their lives. Completed, it will be fulfilled. Whole. Yeah. Yeah, and it's again, it's this this initial shock of the death of Jesus that maybe the plan is off, or maybe something accidental happened, and they'll come back to find out at the resurrection that no, the plan is still in force. Everything is going according to plan. Great joy because now the sacrifice lamb has died and is raised again, and now there's an opportunity for life. That's the plan is on, and it's beautiful, and it's exactly what God had purposed from the very beginning, and it will be fulfilled in them. And He had told them all of that over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, there's slow but like it us just didn't penetrate it just didn't penetrate <laughs> yeah they're slow like us but it's just an, it's a marvelous thing so i speak these things while i'm in the world so that my joy may be fulfilled in them fulfilled in them and you have to consider the fact that as they went across the world after that they talked about the great joy of coming mm-hmm. to god through the sacrifice of jesus so as we're wrapping up here i just need to say that we have now posted on the website oh, yeah. a bible study yeah. on this very chapter that i wrote last year that grew out of a couple of years of fairly intense study of this chapter and so it's there you can uh, download it print it and work your way through it and and i it's hard work but yeah well it will lead you to approach this prayer in a very accessible way yeah and so i would encourage you to check that out yeah take a look at that and we'll move on from there so next week we'll come back back into john 17 Mm. you know we could really (laughs) we need to do like four yeah we might have to in fact we might have to do even a summary on 17 because we pick up the narrative in 18 and jesus is arrested but we could sit here in 17 forever so anyway glad you're with us and glad you're listening to the words of jesus about his apostles and about us i'm jim and i'm dorothy and we're glad you're with us on more than than anything bye Than Inc. is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. We're good. Let's see. I think that's a little better. Though.